from Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Forrest Rogers. This is Podcast in Place, a series about life in Alaska during the COVID-19 pandemic. For this episode, we're going to take a break from COVID. Sort of. We're going to talk about monkeypox. While it may be only recently that people have heard of this virus, monkeypox was actually first detected in 1958 in Denmark. Throughout the decades, cases have been most commonly present in Central and Western Africa. Recently, however, it has spread through 94 different countries, with 40,000 cases reported globally. On August 4th, the U.S. declared monkeypox to be a public health emergency, with 14,000 reported cases. As of August 19th, there have only been two known cases here in Alaska. To learn more about this virus, Atme producer Kendrick Whiteman spoke with Dr. Joe McLaughlin. He is the chief of Alaska's section of epidemiology and the state epidemiologist. He breaks down everything to know about monkeypox, how it compares to COVID-19, and much more. They spoke on August 19th, 2022. So uh, what are the symptoms for monkeypox? People with monkeypox get a rash that may be located on or near the genitals. That's typically what's happening uh, in the U.S. About 75% of cases have been in the genital area or in the anal area. Um, But the rash can appear in other areas like the hands, the feet, the chest, the face, or the mouth. Um, The rash goes through several stages. The first stage is just a flat red lesion or area, and then it'll start to have raised bumps on it, and those bumps will eventually become filled with a fluid that uh, will turn pustular. Um, And then the final stage is that the, the lesions will crust over and then fall off. Other symptoms that people can have include fever, chills, swollen lymph nodes, just general fatigue or exhaustion, muscle aches and back aches, uh, headaches, respiratory symptoms like sore throat, nasal congestion, or cough. Um, Sometimes people have these constitutional or flu-like symptoms before the rash starts, um, but some people get the rash first followed by other symptoms. Others still only experience a rash. The symptoms typically last for about two to four weeks, and they typically start uh, about uh, within three weeks of exposure to the the virus. Uh, Oftentimes it's within about a week or so. And people are infectious the entire time during which symptoms are present. So if you start having sort of the fever and chills, you're shedding virus, um, oftentimes uh, probably through respiratory secretions. Um, And then once that rash starts, then a lot of the virus is present on the rash. And that's how a lot, most of the transmission appears to be occurring is from one person who has the infection and has a rash being in close contact, typically skin-to-skin contact with another person who is not yet infected. And once the the rash from the infected person touches uh, the skin of an uninfected person, that's where the risk of transmission occurs. And the longer the duration of exposure, the higher the risk of actually getting monkeypox infection. 
So it's mainly transmitted through um, just exposure, uh, physical touch? That's correct. And a lot of the telltale signs, the um, early warning signs of monkeypox are usually just like close to like flu fever-like symptoms? Yeah, if you get what's called a prodrome before the rash starts, those symptoms often are cold-like or flu-like or even COVID-like. You know, you'll have fever, chills, sometimes the swollen lymph nodes, just feeling exhausted, achy, headachy, and you can get the sore throat, nasal congestion, or cough. And that's all just like flu or a cold uh, or uh, COVID. But then the rash typically starts usually within a couple of days after the prodrome. And as I mentioned, some people don't even have a prodrome. They don't get those constitutional symptoms. And some people um, will get them only after the rash starts. So there's a lot of variability there. But, but typically, uh, people will uh, always develop a rash um, when they are infected with the virus, as, as long as they um, do become symptomatic. Now, it's possible that some people might get become infected. They might actually have exposure to the monkeypox virus, but never develop any symptoms at all. And uh, there was a report that was recently uh, released from uh, Europe suggesting that somebody had an asymptomatic infection. Um, and so we're still looking into this to see how likely that is, if that in fact does happen, and uh, what are the factors that may contribute to a person just having an asymptomatic infection. For example, people who may have had uh, the smallpox vaccine when they were children, um, may they, might they be somewhat protected still against uh, monkeypox due to that uh, prior uh, immunization that they had? And might that be a um, protective factor against development of actual monkeypox symptoms? So considering the means of transmission is just physical touch, exposure, well, is any certain demographic more likely to get it than uh, another? Yeah, so let's, let's just talk real quickly about how it can be transmitted. By far and away, what we're seeing from the epidemiologic studies here in the United States and globally, the vast majority of transmission is occurring through skin-to-skin -skin contact. Uh, with somebody who has a rash. Now, it's also possible that somebody could um, become infected through contact with respiratory secretions. Uh, for example, if somebody has pox lesions in their mouth and then they kiss somebody who is not um, infected, that could be a way of transmitting the virus. Another possibility is through touching objects like fabrics uh, clothing, bedding, or towels, and surfaces that have been used by somebody with monkeypox. Um, and this is something that we're particularly concerned about uh, in people who, for example, may work in a hospital and they're handling the bedding or towels of somebody who's hospitalized and infected with monkeypox, or perhaps people who work in the hospitality industry, like a hotel. Uh, who are uh, frequently touching these types of uh, fabrics that could potentially be contaminated. So that is another potential route of transmission. It's also a concern that we have for household transmission. Um, if uh, somebody has uh, monkeypox in a household and, and then uh, other members of the family are touching objects that have been contaminated, 
uh, by the infected person. So those are all things that we're learning about. Um, we're, there was a, a CDC publication that just came out today called an MMWR or Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report that uh, looked at household um, exposure of um, or household contamination of the virus from somebody who was infected in the household. They went around and swabbed a whole bunch of objects in um, the house of uh, somebody who was infected and, and did find the virus in many objects. So that's another route that we're um, concerned about and, and really learning more about as time goes on uh, as we study this virus more. Now, in terms of who is at increased risk for uh, monkeypox infection currently, so right now, CDC is reporting out that uh, the vast majority of cases in the United States still upwards of the high 90 percentage range, you know, 97, 98% of cases have been in men. Um, some cases are in women, some cases are in children, but the vast majority are in men. And of those men, the vast majority, probably upwards of 95%, um, self-report um, being men who have sex with men. And so uh, in some respects, this is very similar to how HIV started, where we started to see uh, HIV infection primarily uh, among men who have sex with men. And then gradually over time, it started to um, infect uh, more women and, uh, and younger people as well. So we're seeing that happen here in the United States, um, more women becoming infected, uh, as well as now um, teens and younger children. And with younger children, that's typically children who are uh, in the home of a caregiver who's infected. All right. And uh, from that question, um, I'd like to ask, uh, how lethal is monkeypox? So there are two primary clades of monkeypox. Um, one was uh, historically found in Central Africa and the other was uh, historically found in Western Africa. The Central African clade uh, was associated at least in Africa with a case fatality rate that could be as high as five to 10%. Fortunately, that is not the clade that is circulating globally right now. Um, the Western African clade uh, is the one that is associated with much lower case fatality rates. Um, globally, the fatality rate has been very low, less than 1% with the current uh, global outbreak that's occurring. In the United States, we have not yet seen any deaths among people who have been infected with monkeypox. Is there anyone who is more at risk? Like with COVID, for example, how the elderly and the immunocompromised are more likely to have like serious uh, symptoms or um, die from the disease. Is that the same with uh, monkeypox where any demographic is more at risk for severe symptoms? There are uh, some risk factors for more severe disease. Um, people who have immunocompromised conditions um, such as uh, HIV infection, especially if they have AIDS, uh, people with leukemia, lymphoma, generalized malignancy, uh, solid organ transplantation, things like that. Those people are at increased risk for severe disease. Um, pediatric populations, particularly patients younger than uh, eight years of age are at increased risk. 
people with a history or presence of certain skin conditions like atopic dermatitis or other what we call exfoliative skin conditions like eczema or burns or impetigo um, or herpes simplex, simplex virus infection or severe acne. Uh, those people may be at increased risk for more severe disease. Also pregnant or breastfeeding women uh, and people with one or more complications um, to the infection, such as secondary bacterial skin infections, um, gastroenteritis with severe nausea or vomiting, or diarrhea or dehydration, things like that. Um, and then people with monkeypox virus aberrant infections, so infections that include accidental implantation in the eyes, the mouth, or other anatomical areas where monkeypox virus infection might constitute a special hazard, such as the genitals or anus. All of these people who uh, meet the criteria that I just described would be eligible if they do become infected for treatment with an antiviral medication that we call TPOX. It's also the official name is uh, tecobiramat. So we in Alaska, as, uh, as is true in other states, we have uh, access to this antiviral medication. And uh, again, anybody who meets those high risk categories would be eligible for treatment. So it wouldn't be likely that the youth would be at any higher or lower risk to contract uh, monkeypox? Uh, for contracting, really, the, there, there's, there's no big um, increased risk factor for contracting other than prolonged skin-to-skin -skin contact with somebody who is currently infected with the virus and has a rash. That is the number one mode of transmission. So if you're going to be in, in close contact uh, with somebody who has infection, no matter how old you are, how young you are, your skin color, your sex, none of that matters. It's really just the skin-to-skin -skin contact. In the early days of COVID, there was a lot of um, confusing and misinformation about the virus that eventually changed over time. Um, for instance, it was thought at one point that it could be transmitted through surfaces and people acted accordingly, such as wiping down their groceries when they got home and surfaces people touch in the workplace and whatnot but now that we know a lot more about COVID we react differently and know a bit more how to prevent it um, so coming from that I was wondering how much do we really know about monkeypox at this point and do you think our understanding of the virus can change or something could affect our understanding of how it works yeah Thank you, Kendrick. That's a, that's a really good question. You know, one of the big differences between COVID or the SARS-CoV-2 virus and the monkeypox virus is that the SARS-CoV-2 virus was brand new. Uh, we had never seen it in human populations before, and it was a newly emerging coronavirus that uh, we, have, we had to learn about very quickly, and we're still learning about that virus. It is such a complex virus with respect to the natural history of the disease. Uh, you can get anywhere, you know, people can get asymptomatic infection, they can get mild infection, and they can get severe infection. And even if you have asymptomatic infection or mild infection, you can go on to have long-term consequences such as increased risk for blood clots, 
and all sorts of things with long COVID. So we're still learning a lot about the SARS-CoV-2 virus and how it impacts uh, the human body over time. With monkeypox, uh, monkeypox was discovered in 1958 uh, when two outbreaks of uh, pox-like disease occurred in colonies of monkeys kept for research. And despite being named monkeypox, the source of the disease remains unknown, but African rodents and non-human primates like monkeys might harbor the virus and infect people. The first human case of monkeypox was recorded in 1970. And prior to the current outbreak, monkeypox had been reported in people in central, in several Central and Western African countries. And previously, almost all monkeypox cases in people outside of Africa were linked to international travel to countries where the disease commonly occurs through imported animals. So we do have uh, a long history of uh, knowledge about the monkeypox virus and uh, cases in humans. And so we've had a longer time to be able to study the disease. Now that doesn't mean that there's not more to learn about it, there certainly is. And the current epidemic that we're seeing uh, is quite different than uh, cases and outbreaks that we've seen uh, in Africa, especially Central Africa. So um, also the, the current epidemiologic characteristics of this outbreak where you're seeing primarily uh, transmission occurring through sexual uh, contact, prolonged skin-to-skin contact among, uh, among people, um, that's really different than, than what we've seen in some of the other outbreaks. Um, so the other thing that's different about monkeypox is we have um, a vaccine that uh, we, that appears to be effective. Again, this is based on some uh, initial clinical trials that have been done on the vaccine, and we're going to be learning a lot more about the effectiveness of this vaccine at preventing monkeypox um, infection, preventing severe disease, and attenuating uh, monkeypox infection among people who get what we call post-exposure prophylaxis. The other thing is that we also have treatment, antiviral treatment that has shown some promise at, um, at, at helping attenuate monkeypox virus uh, infection. Again, uh, we're still learning more about the effectiveness of these treatments that we have. So those are the things that are really different about the monkeypox virus and the SARS-CoV-2 virus. But I think you're absolutely right that as this virus uh, continues to spread and the outbreak continues, we are gonna learn more and more from an epidemiologic uh, standpoint as well as a basic uh, scientific standpoint about the virus. So backtracking a little bit, the name monkeypox, it doesn't come from monkeys? You know, African rodents and non-human primates like, like mon monkeys are thought to harbor the virus and infect people. So this virus, uh, like, you know, pox viruses in general, tends to circulate in, um, in rodents. Uh, and so like Alaska, we've got a unique form of pox virus called Alaska pox. And that's primarily been seen in rodents in the interior around uh, the Fairbanks North Pole area. And um, 
So it really is what we call a zoonotic disease, a disease that um, is endemic in wild animal populations, certain species of wild animals. And then because humans come into contact with those animals, that's where the transmission occurs from animals to humans. That's historically how it uh, has occurred primarily in Central and Western Africa. But now what we're seeing is the transmission in this current national and global outbreak is occurring from human to human at a high uh, rate of speed. How important is it to know where the virus or any virus for that matter uh, originated from? Well, it's important to know where it originated from just so you know um, where where people originally got infected, where, how, where did this virus actually come from? Um, and then as we, um, you know, that can be helpful also from a basic scientific standpoint to understand um, how it's transmitted among animals and what the, uh, the natural history of the disease is among animals, because there's a lot that we can learn from veterinary medicine in human medicine. We'll be right back. Alaska Teen Media Institute is looking for youth to join our team. As a youth producer, you can conduct interviews like the one you're listening to right now, edit audio, record voiceovers, help write scripts, and much more. And all of this is paid work. So if you're between the ages of 13 and 24, living in Alaska, and interested in joining ATME, go to alaskateenmedia.org forward slash join. You can also email us at news at alaskateenmedia.org. Now back to Kendrick's interview with Joe McLaughlin. Uh, what is the testing process? So in terms of testing, uh, for anybody who has signs and symptoms of monkeypox, we encourage them to go in to seek medical care uh, as quickly as possible. Um, this is for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, your healthcare provider can test you for monkeypox and uh, determine whether or not you are at increased risk for severe disease uh, and whether or not you might be one of the people who uh, needs an antiviral medication. And then also, your healthcare provider and public health officials will work with you to help identify anybody who has um, be, who you've been in close contact with that might be eligible for vaccine to help prevent them from getting back uh, from getting monkeypox infection. So, in terms of the testing process, if you've got a rash, the provider will uh, take a, a swab, like a cotton swab, and they'll just brush the top of the rash lesion. So, if you've got like one or multiple uh, pox lesions, they'll take that swab and brush it vigorously a few times, um, and then they'll put it in uh, a container and then they'll send it to the lab uh, for testing. And typically, the turnaround time is about a day or so. Um, the uh, Alaska State uh, Public Health Laboratory has the capacity to do testing here in Alaska, and, but there are also a number of reference labs in the lower 48 that uh, can also do the testing and the turnaround time is equally fast. So if you think you got monkeypox, where should you go get tested? So if you've got a primary care provider, that's probably the best way to go. Just go into your primary care provider. If you don't have a primary care provider, you can go to an urgent care. Or um, if you don't know where to go, 
You can um, call up a public health center if you're outside of Anchorage um, and talk to a public health nurse and ask them to get you set up for testing. Or you can um, go to the Anchorage Health Department. So yeah, so go to your primary care provider, go to an urgent care if you don't have a primary care provider or call up a public health center if you're outside of Anchorage or you can um, call the Anchorage Health Department uh, and ask about testing options there. So uh, you said there was a vaccine for monkeypox. Uh, can you tell us about it and how it was developed? Sure, so the vaccine for monkeypox is called the Genios vaccine. Um, the Genios vaccine is what we call a live attenuated viral vaccine that is non-replicating. In other words, the virus um, that is used in the vaccine does not have the, the capability of replicating in the body. So uh, basically the, the virus is injected into either the uh, intradermal space, which is just under the epidermis, right under that very top layer of the skin, or uh, in, in children, it would be um, injected in the subcutaneous tissue, which is just below the dermal layer. Um, it's a two dose series vaccine given about 28 days apart. And um, the vaccine is currently available in multiple locations in Alaska. We've uh, pre-positioned it uh, in, uh, at a number of clinics uh, in the Anchorage area. So if you have a primary care provider and you're, you uh, think you might be eligible for the vaccine, we can talk about the eligibility for the vaccine. Um, then we encourage you to uh, give your healthcare provider a call and see if they do have the, the, um, the vaccine. Uh, there is also the Fairweather site at, the, at Tekatnu that has uh, vaccine and is actively vaccinating people. There are um, vaccines also available in other sites. So just really like the Anchorage Health Department. So really encourage folks to, uh, uh, again, first start by uh, asking your primary care provider. And then if you, if, if they say no, they don't have the vaccine, then you can reach out to uh, Fairweather, you can reach out to the Anchorage Health Department. Um, the, um, so there, there are a couple of groups of people that are currently eligible for the vaccine. The first group is anybody who has had uh, a significant exposure to somebody who is infected with the virus. And so, for example, somebody who had sexual contact with somebody who is infected with monkeypox would be eligible for what we call post-exposure prophylaxis, or PEP. And ideally, that post-exposure prophylaxis would be given within four days of exposure to somebody who is infected, but it can be given up to 14 days after the exposure, as long as symptoms have not yet started. That's the first group of people. And then the second group would be gay, bisexual, or other men or transgender people who have sex with men and have had multiple or anonymous sexual partners within the past six months. Those folks would be eligible for um, what we call pre-exposure prophylaxis. And um, so if you meet either of those two criteria, we encourage you to get vaccinated as soon as possible. 
And uh, as the days and weeks go on, we are going to have more and more vaccine in Alaska that we'll be distributing uh, more widely. So if you reach out, if you've already reached out and tried to get vaccinated and you've been told by your, your provider or uh, another clinic that uh, they've run out of vaccine, keep trying. There are other areas uh, that have vaccine, uh, other locations. Um, but also just know that um, we will get, be getting more and more vaccine here in Alaska for uh, as many people who meet those criteria as possible to get vaccinated. Do you think there will be um, a similar hesitancy with the monkeypox vaccine, similar to what we saw with COVID? You know, I think that remains to be seen. I think a lot of people have seen the monkeypox uh, lesions that people get, and those lesions can be uh, extremely painful. That's one of the things that has been uh, a big challenge with monkeypox among people who've, who've gotten it is just the, the sheer amount of pain that's associated with uh, the rash lesion. Um, and so for that reason, I think a lot of people are, are really going to want to get vaccinated. Um, also, uh, what we've seen nationally is about 75% of um, the cases that have been reported in the United States have been associated with a rash in the anogenital area. And if you uh, do wind up getting a rash in or around the anus, that can be extremely painful uh, and make defecation painful, things like that. So I think people want to avoid uh, monkeypox and take whatever precautions they can to avoid it. Uh, and certainly this vaccine is right now the best tool that we have uh, for preventing um, monkeypox infection among people who are engaged in higher risk activities, such as uh, those who are having uh, multiple sex partners or anonymous sexual partners, especially men who have sex with men. Uh, another thing that people can do to prevent monkeypox infection is to avoid those high risk behaviors. The other day, the CDC admitted to not handling communications about the pandemic uh, well in the early days. Given what we learn about COVID and the myths and disinformation uh, we've all seen in the last two and a half years, what do you think public health officials can do differently in communicating um, information about monkeypox to the public? I think the biggest thing um, is expressing what we know and what we don't know very clearly. I think with COVID, with the SARS-CoV-2 virus, it was uh, such a new pathogen with lots and lots of unknowns. Um, and I think that early on, there were some assumptions that were made about uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus based on what we know about other coronaviruses uh, that were subsequently shown to be incorrect, such as the one that you mentioned earlier, Kendrick, which is, you know, we thought that uh, there was a high likelihood that the SARS-CoV-2 virus would be transmitted uh, through contact with uh, surfaces such as doorknobs, things like that. And we know that that can happen with other cold viruses as well as uh, influenza. And it turns out that that does not happen uh, as frequently as we thought it might um, with the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So I think that's one of the most important things that we've tried to do here at the Alaska Department of Health is be very honest with the public, with providers about what we know and what we don't know. Um, so I think that's probably the number one response that uh, comes to mind for me on that. As you said before, there are only two confirmed cases of monkeypox in Alaska. 
but at one time there are only a few cases of COVID in Alaska. Is it possible that monkeypox could uh, become a pandemic in the magnitude that COVID has reached? And if so, what can be done to prevent that? Yeah, sure. Thanks for that question. So it's important to, to note the differences between the SARS-CoV-2 virus and the monkeypox virus. The SARS-CoV-2 virus can be transmitted through uh, what we call the airborne route. And so it's much, much easier to get uh, infected with SARS-CoV-2 than it is with monkeypox. Again, monkeypox typically requires prolonged skin-to-skin -skin contact uh, with somebody who's infected, and especially skin-to-skin -skin contact with the rash. So just by being in the, in the same grocery store or you know, on the same bus or airplane as somebody with monkeypox, um, you know, your risk of getting monkeypox is extremely low. Unless, for example, if you're on the same plane with somebody and you're sharing an armrest and they've got the you know, pox uh, rash on their forearm, for example, and you're touching their forearm, that would be a potential route of transmission. But again, as you can see, the risk of transmission is, is very low. So uh, would, would monkeypox reach the, the, the numbers of cases that we've seen with the SARS-CoV-2 virus? No, that's, that's just, it's a totally different virus in that way. Recently, there have been new cases of polio in New York, London, and Jerusalem. Is it coincidental that polio is back and COVID and monkeypox are happening at the same time? Or is there just something unique about the time we are living in that is allowing these diseases to spread across the world? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Kendrick. A couple of responses on that. What we're seeing with uh, polio is there is... Um, a vaccine that was used, the oral polio virus uh, vaccine that had a live attenuated virus that was used in that vaccine. And that live attenuated virus can be transmitted from person to person. Um, and uh, what we're seeing now is people who are unvaccinated are the ones who are at increased risk for acquiring that viral infection. And about one in uh, just shy of 2,000 people who are infected with that live attenuated uh, virus are at risk for paralytic polio. Um, and so what we're seeing is uh, in, in, in groups of people who are unvaccinated uh, in certain populations, the risk of transmission of that virus goes up. So as we see more vaccine hesitancy uh, globally, um, not only for COVID uh, vaccine, but also just routine, other routine childhood vaccines, um, that's where you see increased risk for vaccine preventable diseases um, to occur. So it, be it polio or be it other vaccine preventable diseases like measles, like um, mumps, things like that. And that's why it's so important to remain up to date on your vaccinations. And especially it's, uh, it's especially important to make sure that uh, your children are up to date on their vaccinations. Also, I will say that as uh, human population uh, continues to expand, the more people that we have in close proximity to each other, the higher the risk for uh, transmission of uh, any pathogen. 
that is transmitted from uh, human to human. All right. Um, well, is there anything else that uh, we didn't touch on that you'd like to talk about before you go? You know, uh, on the COVID side, I just would really encourage people to please uh, remain up to date on your COVID vaccination. If you're eligible for a booster to uh, get and get that booster dose um, in the very near future, uh, we should have a bivalent COVID uh, booster that would uh, cover an om the Omicron uh, strain of the, of the uh, virus. And so we're very uh, hopeful that that will come out very soon and we'll have good uptake. Um, fortunately, right now, what we're seeing uh, with respect to Omicron nationally is that uh, the BA5 variant, uh, while it's still the predominant strain, we are starting to see a decreasing trend in uh, case counts nationally. And we're starting to see that decreasing trend in Alaska as well. Um, but I uh, just really want to encourage people to uh, get vaccinated and get boosted um, against uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus uh, or COVID. Um, and then again, really encouraging people who are at increased risk for monkeypox infection, those people who are um, currently meeting the eligibility for um, vaccination to go ahead and get vaccinated against monkeypox as well. All right, perfect. I think that's all I have for you for today. All right, Kendrick. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much for uh, coming here. That was at me producer Kendrick Whiteman speaking with Joe McLaughlin, Alaska State Epidemiologist. You've been listening to Podcasts in Place from Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Devin Shrek and Gost with additional music from Kendrick Whiteman. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Tanayana people whose land we work on. Many thanks to the supporters of our podcast, including the CDC Foundation Arts and Vaccine Confidence Project. The opinions, findings, and conclusions or recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of our funders. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our program and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It is a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like Atme. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Alaska Teen Media. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our series on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And don't forget to check out our website, alaskateenmedia.org. There, you can learn more about what our organization does, discover more youth-produced content, or find out how to get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Forrest Rogers. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. We'll get through this together.